Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. My dad is my hero. He'll always be there to take your call, and you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh, boy. Hey, hey, hey. I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman-Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. (laughs) Turns out hell is a pretty hot topic. Today's guest, Alex Parkview, and I connected on Twitter, and he is quite the questioner. The two tenets that you really need to know is love God with all your heart and all your might, and treat your fellow man as you want to be treated. Let's find out what else Alex has to say about hell. Alex Parkview, welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. Hello. Hello, hello. You got a little furry friend next to you. Oh, she's always there. Aw, okay. You're starting without the mask. I am starting without the mask. I figured fuck it. Okay, yeah, I would love to know a little bit about the masks, actually. The masks are actually just a band that I follow, and I love their music videos from back in the day, and I figured they fit my online persona for the podcast and things of that nature pretty well. They're the Johnny Three Tears masks from Hollywood Undead, their five album. Okay, so did you order them, or how did you acquire these masks? Well, back before it was taboo to do so, I actually ordered them from a guy who makes them in Russia. In Russia? Yeah. He has an Etsy shop set up. I don't recall. I'd love to plug for him, but don't recall the name of it. But yeah, he has an Etsy shop and just order the masks. He actually makes them on order. How did you find this guy? The guy who makes the masks? I just searched for Johnny Three Tears masks. I don't even know who Johnny Three Tears is. He's one of the rappers in Hollywood Undead. Hollywood Undead? Yep. I don't know what that is either. Oh, it's a great band. Fully inappropriate kind of music from back in the day. They actually got their following on my MySpace back whenever it was a thing. What kind of music is it? It's like dark rap, I guess, would be a good classification. Like a pop, rap, dark vibe kind of thing. Interesting. Okay, so today I wanted to talk about Satan. I think it's super interesting that you have studied the Satanic Bible. I mean, that was just when I started the podcast, which if you I know you've listened to a few episodes and if my pilot, my homie Allie, she told me, she's like, you should start a podcast. You know, it's crazy how shit works out. But I was like, well, if I do this thing about religion and simplifying it and making people aware of things, I'm going to leave my own shit out of it because it's a moot point, I believe, when I'm not trying to make you believe what I believe. So I don't address my own religious beliefs at all. I just take a look at whatever the fuck. And the Satanic Bible, to me, doesn't get coverage because it's the Satanic Bible. In mainstream culture, nobody wants to talk about Satan. But if you actually look at it and read it, it's humanism to the nth degree. It's not about a literal Satan worship. You're worshiping yourself as your own god. LaVey's a little bit of a nutcake, if you ask me, because holy shit, some of the stuff he talks about. I don't know how many episodes you've listened to on my topic on that, but yeah. Some of them actually took my breath away and not in the best way. Yeah, let's talk about some satanic beliefs and what people might not know. Some of the basic stuff, like there is no afterlife in the satanic Bible. It is all just, I guess, a humanism, very much live your life to make yourself happy. You are your own God. He describes Satan more so as a name for a force in the universe, like that force of darkness kind of thing. There's the right-hand path, the light, the proper, the religionist, and all that. And then there's ones that just kind of do their own thing. But he says those people aren't necessarily Satanists, but they're definitely not on the path of the right hand. So, I mean, he's just, like, he's the anti-Catholic religion is the best way to put it. He took everything Catholicism is and said, fuck you. I'm going to do the exact opposite. Like, they have mass. He made the black mass. Like, he made it more commonplace. He talks about satanic magics and spells. And one of the episodes that kind of made me want to yak was the one I did about his uh, human sacrifice theories. Like, he actually says you can sacrifice somebody if they've wronged you to such a degree that you feel that the only way to make it right is to kill them. I'm like, this guy's fucking nuts. Yeah, give us a little bit of history, too, on LaVey. Like, what did you find out about him? 
it was basic stuff. I didn't want to go too crazy on it because my focus wasn't even him so much as the religion. I use quotes because it's not a religion. He started off with your normal American upbringing kind of thing, just doing whatever, doing his thing. Mom, dad, church. Ended up working at a carnival, which is where he started finding out that he hated religion because he would see all these people that were in the tents and they're just gambling their lives away cheating on their wives and then they're confessing to the lord oh my god i'm so sorry take my sin away and then the next day they're right back at it with the hose and the hookers and blow for lack of a better connotation like they're just confessing so that they can keep sinning so that seems pretty hypocritical yeah and that's a big thing of his that he discusses he's like we are not hypocritical we're telling you to live your life to fulfill your ego like that there's even a book chapter whatever in the bible of his that talks about life after death through fulfillment of the ego so like he's all about just there's no actual afterlife but you can live on after death through your stuff i mean i think about it i'm gonna pass my external hard drive with all my episodes onto my kid i'm gonna record an episode for my kid like just me talking to her so that if because that's one thing since my dad died i wish i could still talk to my dad just hear his voice you know the little things that last hug so i'm gonna record on my external hard drive that my kid's getting willed when i die and so she'd plug it in see all my episodes left at those points she'll see this file that says listen to me or play me or whatever the fuck i name it and it's gonna be me talking to her telling her i love her and i'm still with her that's sweet i saw something similar on a tv show and i thought it was a damn good idea yeah i mean part of the reason i'm doing this podcast with my dad is to create a time capsule for my children and be able to talk about things with him that he might not be able to talk about in years from now so that they can know my dad when he was still with it and able to debate these subject matters. Yeah. I mean, my dad and I didn't always have the best relationship. We had our rocky spots, you know, all throughout. But when I was a little, little kid, I was like, you've heard of the daddy's girl and the mommy's boy and all that. No, I was my dad through and through. Like, I was obsessed when I was a kid. We did the church thing. Like I said, he was more closely ascribed to Buddhism than anything. Raised us to be Roman Catholic. But he told us, he's like, I'm not telling you that this is what you have to believe or that it's what I believe. Because I asked him, I'm like, why are we doing this church where we're getting an aerobic workout every Sunday, where we're getting told that we're going to hell, this, that, and the other. He's like, I just want you to have a moral like background, a guiding kind of thing. So I'm taking you and you're going to learn their shit. What you decide to do with that is on you. Like, I read the entire King James version of the bible before i was 10 years old i saw you said that what motivated that i mean your dad was a buddhist that's that's a lot different than reading the king james well he wasn't even a buddhist it's just the closest thing i can use to describe him he was very spiritual in nature he meditated he was big on just like inner peace but at the same time he did to a degree believe in god because that's what he was raised with by my grandparents so, I mean, it was a little bit of a mixed work. And like my one aunt, I have many, but one aunt, there was a family event where the children were getting in the adult's way and ruining the fun and all that shit. We got home that night and she was watching us because my dad was out of town. She made us say bedtime prayers and ask God's forgiveness for interfering with the adult's activities, like the hypocritical Roman Catholic bullshit. That's one of those little memories from childhood that has stuck with me my entire life. How many other times did you have to ask for forgiveness? More than I can fucking count. Most recently when I showed her the tattoo on my head. (laughs) Yeah, I also wanted to ask you about that because in your episode where you were talking about LaVey, you mentioned that LaVey shaved his head. I'm just naturally bald, so I roll with it, but I decorated it. Okay, so it didn't have anything to do with the satanic Bible. No, that was just me. Okay, yeah. Why did you choose? Is that the devil on your head? A lot of people ask me that, and no, it's a Japanese oni mask. It's protection against evil spirits. Protection against evil spirits? That's cool. And then I have the snake on this side, another snake here that we got to finish up. Just those are just for aesthetics. Those actually have no meaning. I just want something to go with the mask. Interesting. And I did see that you did an episode about tattoos, and that was actually my pilot episode. That was the one that Ellie was like after I explained everything to her that she had come to me for help understanding when, cause we go walk around, talk, you know, just do laps sometimes. And after uh, I'd helped her figure out what she was trying to figure out, she was like, you should do some stuff about like tattoos, abortion, you know, some of those old Testament sins that everybody harps on. And Leviticus as anybody with any inkling of religious, whatever knows is the book of what the hell not to do if you want to go to heaven. Well, in the new Testament, this is what all these hardcore religious Karens love to overlook. Jesus says that there are only two great commandments. 
to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, and soul, to love your neighbor as yourself. There's only the one unforgivable sin, and that's mentioned in Matthew 12, 31 to 32. I said I can quote the shit for days. I don't always remember the number, so I wrote that down. I cheated. But it's, therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven. So there is only the one sin, according to Christian doctrine. Again, not my beliefs. So I did go through in a lot of Baptist churches. I was kicked out of one when I was in my early 30s. So Christian doctrine states the only thing that will not be forgiven if you have accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior is blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which is an oxymoron because to get saved is to accept the Spirit into yourself. So technically you can't blaspheme him if you are saved. Yeah. What is your thought on sin being saved? Without giving away too much of my own what I believe in, I'll just stick with the Christian topic because that's an easy one like obviously in their doctrine you don't want to sin you want to please god you want to please jesus but you're human and it says there's a verse that says god's grace is never ending or something like that and uh, there's a verse where jesus says once you have come into my hand i will never let you go like no force can pull you from my hands meaning like the devil and sin can't take you from jesus first john 1 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness so i mean he knows we're gonna fuck up he expects us to fuck up he just wants us to try not to fuck up and as long as we like legitimately accept him then he's gonna say okay cool welcome to heaven basically but there's a lot of controversy amongst the religious like hardcore christians because there's the whole concept of being lukewarm in god's name like uh, it says when i approached him at the gates and he said be gone I never knew you, ye of lukewarm faith. He'd rather you be hot or cold. You're either like a burn, burning missionary, like you have that fire to preach the gospel, or something like the hot and cold. I think hot is just like you're all for it, that missionary kind of. You're preaching the gospel. You're going out trying to tell everybody. And then the cold is just the, well, I got saved, but I don't do shit. But at the same time, he says, be gone, ye of lukewarm faith. But he's also told us that there's no way we're going to go anywhere but to heaven unless we blaspheme the Spirit. So it's... Like, there's parts of the Bible, I'm sure some apologists, it's a religious term, would like to try to apologize those glaring hypocrisies away, but I just, I can't see it. That's why I can't say that I ascribe to Christianity because there's too much that can't be explained in the text, which was written by men. It's not Jesus' direct word. It's not like they said, here, Jesus, have a pen. Interesting. I also want to know why you got kicked out of that school. Oh, the Baptist Church? I was, once upon a time, like, pretty into the Christian faith, like, for lack of a better description. I was pretty about it. And I was going to a Baptist church, and I finally managed to put it together in my head at the time. And I got saved, is what they call it. Like, I accepted Jesus. And then we had a, a well, not a mass, because it wasn't Catholic, but a service, a Sunday, whatever, about character versus reputation in the eyes of the Lord. Character is who you are. Reputation is who people perceive you to be. You and the Lord know your character, so don't worry too much about your reputation was the basic message of that. Well, at the time, I was engaged. I've been divorced twice, full disclosure there. But I was engaged to ex-wife number two. I would spend like my weekends at her place with my kids because that was going to be their stepmom. You know, there's no wrongdoing, whatever, no religious whatever. I guess somebody in the church took it upon themselves to share my Facebook post about me, like, spending time with my then-fiancé, showed it to the pastor and complained, saying that I was putting forth a bad image, a bad reputation. So he pulled me off to the side, actually had me out to breakfast one morning, and told me that I was no longer welcome at their church because of what I was doing, and it was wrong in the eyes of the Lord. I said, so I threw off his verses back at him. Judgment is mine, saith the Lord. Character versus reputation. I'm not doing nothing wrong. What does it matter what other people think I'm doing, etc.? And he had no answer. He's just like, well, I can judge you as your pastor because I'm looking out for your soul and for our congregation. The fact that you were saved under our ministry, our teachings, like it harms that if people perceive. I'm like, so you're just a hypocrite. And that's where I started really getting back, doubling down on all my other religious stuff. I was like, well, fuck you. If this is what Christianity is, you can keep it. Wow. So that set you in a totally different direction. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I'll be 40 this year. So that was only like 10 years ago-ish. And now that I never read any of the other stuff before, but this, like I said, doubled down and put me on the path that I'm comfortable with that nobody will ever know unless I put it behind a paywall. <laughs> 
Interesting. Wow. So this has been kind of a 10-year journey for you. Most recently, yeah. I mean, it's been lifelong in and of everything, but the recents have been, yeah, within 10 years. What about your time in the service? What was your relationship with God through that? I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a saying, there are no atheists in a foxhole. A lot of people in the military, I can't speak for all of their personal, but just like as a whole, the group kind of thing. I'm not a big fan of groupthink, but I'll use it in this occurrence. I was in my early 20s when I joined, spent 27 months total in Iraq. When you're getting ready to go on that plane, you have no clue. Like they teach you worst case scenario in your training. Like you're literally holding M16s with blanks up to people's faces, like for parts of it. I mean, they're just teaching you to kind of do away with your emotions. You can do what's necessary. Now, my graduation from my advanced training, my mom was able to come up for that. And she actually, like, looked me in the eyes. We were sitting on a bench just having, like, a moment. She looked me in the eyes and said, there's something different about you. I'll never forget this. Look me in my eyes. There's something different about you. You look like you could kill somebody and not even give a shit. Like, my mother telling me this. I was just like, and I mean, she's not wrong, though. That's the, there's an old saying they break you down to build you back up like they tear away all of your filters all of your human compassion that whatever because you're going into a war zone at least i joined during wartime it was 2005 when i joined what was your motivation for wanting to join i don't have the super patriotic motivation that a lot of people had mine was health benefits for my kid to be fair okay and weren't you like scared of war Honestly, no. Like I, <laughs> That's another thing. Recruiters lie. Anybody who wants to join who is watching this, recruiters lie to you. The recruiter told me with my chosen MOS, my job, there was like a less than 1% chance of me ever deploying. He was a dick. I still remember him. I still love him. If I could find him on social, I'd still talk to the guy. But he, he lied his ass off to get me in and to get me to sign. Lied his Right. Ass like, off. I, I feel like people think that they, they can pick their job, but is that not true? You do pick your job, like the one you're trained in. But when I got to my unit at Fort Campbell, they, I was told, we don't have your job here. Like, so why the hell did I get shipped to a unit that didn't have my job? But basically, I was a computer geek from a very young age. So they just threw me into the computer. So I became the computer liaison between my battalion, my company, and my brigade. Okay, but then you found your way to Iraq. Yes. And that goes to what I was saying, building up to all that, like being stripped away of the emotions and everything. The first time we had no clue what to expect. We're in fear of our lives at that point because of the reality setting and you're getting on the plane. And so we made a pact amongst us. We're all walking on this plane. We're all going to walk back off this plane, have each other's back kind of thing. There were the re- super religious amongst us. But at that point in my life, I wasn't really claiming a religion, a faith, a, a anything. I was just like, I don't want to die. I want to come back and be there for my kid and see them grow up. And it was just, again, I can't speak for everybody, but I think the faith factor kind of comes in because of the fear of the unknown. It wasn't so much that we were afraid we were going to die. We just didn't know what the fuck was going to happen to us if we died. Was this it? Is this everything? I mean, LeVay would say yes, but was this it? Like, there has to be something more. You know, there's always that human need to continue self-preservation. Like, there has to be more to life than this. You hear it on TV all the time. There's got to be some greater whatever. Man plans, God laughs, all that kind of stuff. Not knowing what you're going to face. I mean, yeah, if you're, like, super convinced, good for you. But if you're wrong, guess what? You're fucked. If Jesus and heaven are real, okay, cool. You're going there because you believed. You did what you were supposed to. But what about you die and you're just worm food for the rest of your life, like your body here on Earth? It's just there's no way to know because the only people who know are dead. So to sit there and say, oh, my God, I'm super religious now because I'm deploying. No, it's not that. It's just you kind of ascribe to what you need to ascribe to in the moment to get you through it. Faith can be a powerful tool, just like fear can be a powerful tool. Not necessarily saying that you're right, you're wrong, what you believe is going to happen, but in that moment, it's what you need. It's not a desire, it's not a want, it's not something like, I never would have set foot on that plane if I thought I was just going to die and that was going to be it. I had faith, not so much in a supernatural, but in the natural, like the people around me that I had trained with. I had faith in them that we would make each other safe, but if we were going to die... We wanted to know that 
it was for something, that greater good, that higher power that we were going to carry on. We were going to be rewarded in heaven. A lot of veterans have a belief in the Viking faith and like Norse mythology, Odin, Valhalla, because if you die in battle, you go to Valhalla and you're celebrated throughout eternity as this great spiritual warrior. And you're one of Odin's, you know, warriors in the halls of Valhalla and all that kind of crap. I'm not a huge whatever. I don't shit on people for their faith, for what they believe in. I'll shit on the religion itself and not on them for believing in it. I mean, even the Muslim faith, like if you die in battle, it kind of goes along with that. The 72 virgins is my favorite thing because to me, that would be hell. I'd rather have 72 slutty broads. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. That's great. That's good. I'm definitely like, I'll I'll, I'll say all the things I'm not. I just won't tell you what I am. I'm definitely not a Muslim. That's funny. Okay. So I want to go back to, you know, hopping this flight to Iraq and Mm. what you thought it was going to be and then what you experienced. So like I said, they kind of make it seem scarier than what it is. They prepare you, they train you for all these like life and death kind of situations. Our first in brief when we got there, like it was a long ass flight, I think 20 some odd hours with a few layovers. We get there and our in brief to theater, they call it. Because the war theater, I guess, I don't know the terminology, why they use what they use. But uh, the in brief, one line still to this day, like, it's funny how you just remember little clips of stuff in your life. But one line, welcome to America's ashtray, boys. You're like, (laughs) Like, that doesn't sound good. Well, it's like, but it's funny because ironically enough, he says, welcome to America's ashtray. We all smoked at the time. I've been smoke free for like two years now. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting there. They won't even let you flick your cigarette butts on the ground. You have to put them in the fucking trash. So it's America's ashtray, but you can't use it as an ashtray. Did y'all light one up? <laughs> oh, we all lit up. Yeah. Like the nerves, the adrenaline rush. Cause again, we thought we were like, yeah, hard charging, didn't know what the fuck was going on. But then the actual deployment itself was mostly just being in the army here in the States, but over in Iraq. It wasn't a lot of like firefights and shit like that. It was just day-to-day operations because I was in a support unit. So we did a lot of like the networking, the computer shit. I remember the first time I ever heard mortar fire, I was crashing after a shift in my bunk and the alarms go off because they have the like mortar sirens saying that there's incoming and all that. And my roommate, there was two of us to a room there. Like it was those metal things you see on TV and shows are actually pretty accurate on deployment related shows. They call them some kind of housing unit, command housing unit, something like that. CHU, it's an acronym. My roommate, like, I'm like, dude, what the fuck is that? And he's like, oh, mortars. He took his body armor, his IBA vest, threw it over him like a blanket and went back to sleep. I was like, eh, fuck it. If I die, I die. (laughs) Wow. So it's almost like unreal, too. Yeah, like, it's looking back at it, it's almost like a shitty episode in a NCIS episode or something. Like, it's it's almost like a poorly written drama from that military angle. Living it, it was interesting, but looking back on it, it's kind of ridiculous. You did say, though, that you experienced PTSD. Yes. What happened? A, a couple things. There's one from the first deployment. I just, I don't talk about my shrink. Wasn't able to, even able to beat that one out of me. But a lot of it was just like, for me personally, things that were going on in my life timed with all the stresses that were going on as a result of the service. It wasn't like one big event. It was more like the CPTSD kind of thing where it's a culmination of various things like my dad passing i was 27 when he died he was 56 and that was when i was getting ready to get out of the army it wasn't so much from back stuff but the military service as a whole i think a lot of people don't realize just how stressful it is on your brain i'm not even talking the body and all that shit but the mental state like i'm one of the more stoic kind of people just because i was raised my dad said there's things in life worth crying over and this ain't one of them was one of his favorite sayings. like he raised me to be very stoic like i'm the rock for my family that I still interact with like when somebody dies something bad happens everyone comes and cries on my proverbial shoulder so even with that though like my psyche just got beat to shit losing my dad because like I said again we hadn't had the best relationship but I had just gotten him back he sent me an email when I was deployed because that was the main way we kept in touch and it was just like uh, happy birthday or something to that effect and I messaged him back and I said I get it now When I was a kid, I thought you didn't want to be around. He was a VP of international operations for his company. I was like, I thought you didn't want to be around, but I understand now that you did what you did to make sure that we had what we needed. So being deployed away from my children to 
care for my children, put me in his shoes, kind of like mental space. So we really had just like reconnected and then he died. The universe was basically giving me one of the biggest fuck yous in the world, I guess. Like, hey, we're going to let you do this with your dad. You guys are going to be good. You're going to make plans. And then you're just going to lose him and you're going to fucking have to figure out how to live with that for the rest of your time here. And not a day goes by where I don't miss him. I don't quote him. I don't think about him. Like, it's insane to me. But the big thing, it like, symptom of my PTSD is the anger. Like, you don't hear it in the podcast because that's just me. My podcast, honestly, a huge vent for me. But I am very short-fused, like, quick-to-rage kind of thing, depending on situations. I don't have a traditional job. I do a lot of gig work because I can't be around a lot of smarmy bastards that think they're better than everybody telling them what to do after having done what I did for all that time. That's why the VA realizes that, yeah, it's probably not a good idea for him to work a regular job, and that's where the VA disability comes into play. Whoa, man. I'm really sorry about your dad. I just cannot even imagine. And were you away when that happened? I was stateside when he passed. It's kind of ironic. My first ex-wife, the girl's mom, we were still living in the same area because military kids, everything like that. And I remember... I got a phone call from her, of all people. See, I have this rule, and it's going to sound morbid as fuck, but I'm, I'm a texter. You don't call my phone unless someone is dead or dying, and if they're dead, you better just text me because then you'll have called me for nothing. It's just what I tell people because I hate talking on the phone. I don't like holding something up to my ear and fucking walking around. Like, I, no. So, But I get this phone call from her, and she knows this rule of mine better than anyone. We were married for fucking eight years. She knows this rule. <laughs> So I'm like, literally, I don't even say hello. I say, who died? Whoa. And she's crying. She doesn't say a word. She is crying. Apparently, my family was afraid of how I would react. And I'm using the term family loosely in this context because to leave it to her to tell me was just about the lowest shit I can think that they could do at that time. Like, Because we were freshly divorced. So to leave it to her to tell me that my father was dead because they didn't realize that I would probably react poorly to hearing it. Oh my God. So she's crying and she says, I'm so sorry to have to be the one to tell you this. I don't want to be the one to tell you this, but your dad is dead. I threw that phone across the yard. I dropped to my knees and I let out the most guttural scream I have ever let out in my life. Oh my God. Yeah. Getting chills just reliving that memory. Me too. Every hair on my arms just stood up. Yeah. Like it was just, so I went, after I was able to make regain any sort of like composure and actually stand again, I went and found my phone. Thank God it didn't break. Oh. And you'll see, I, I say things like thank God just because it's stuff people says. It doesn't necessarily right. mean my belief. But thank God the phone wasn't broken. So I pick up the phone. Yeah, cool. I call my platoon sergeant. I'm like, yo, I'm not coming in tomorrow morning. Write me up, give me an article, whatever the fuck you have to do. And he goes, what happened? I said, my dad died. He says, have your mom send a Red Cross message to the company. Because it's military. Like, the Red Cross has to reach out to let them know so they can set up the bereavement leave. Like, it's a whole process you have to go through just to... So my mom, so I get off the phone with him, get a hold of my mom. Tell her, I'm like, yo, I need you to do this. Get a hold of the Red Cross. Have them get a hold of this company at this unit on Fort Campbell here. She does within like an hour or two hours. I get a call back from my platoon sergeant. We just got word. Everything's set. He's like, you get some sleep. Then you come in tonight. See me after uh, formation closes out at 1700. Sign the papers. And you can be on the road as soon as tomorrow morning to drive up. So I went did all the bullshit I had to do. And I'm like in a zombie state. You know, you, you ever have one of those things where you just, you know, you have to do something. So you do it, but you're not aware that you're doing it. Total fog. Yeah. I'm so still I, like I, back to you dropping to your knees and throwing the phone and like panic. He's 56 years old. That is so young and unfathomable. Like I said, I had just gotten him back. So like for me, it was super raw because oh. we had just reconnected. I yeah. don't even think I'd be able to do that paperwork that you're mentioning. But see, that's that military training. Like I told you, you just, they break you down so that you're you a robot. Are yeah you have to be on a lot of it it might sound harsh but i understand it now looking back if had i not had that dehumanization i wouldn't have been able to make it up here for my dad's funeral what do you remember from that so i drove up stayed with my then girlfriend because i didn't want to stay with the family because i was pissed off because of how i had found out about my dad dying i remember 
I had written a couple poems because poetry is another vent of mine that I use. Like, so you're a bit of a softy. <laughs> I'm like the stoic softy, but also the badass when I need to be kind of thing. Like, I've actually cracked glass just by screaming. I've damn near ruptured my throat by yelling. Like, I have it all in me. I just don't use it unless I have to. Is someone my, who studies the Satanist Bible considered a Satanist? I mean, if so, I guess that would make me one, but I'm not, so I'm going to say no. I don't ascribe to the shit. Like, I agreed with him on certain points when I was studying it, but at the same time, he's, like I said, a bit of a fucking whack job with some of it. Yeah, the human sacrifice thing, I don't really ascribe to. If you get a chance, that episode is called the episode that almost wasn't. I actually named it when I was feeling on that one. But yeah, no, like, I don't think just because I've studied it, I didn't study it to like say, hey, I want to be a Satanist. I don't read any of what I read. I'm going to be doing uh, Hellenistic polytheism because somebody asked me to be doing a bit on exorcism. I'm going through Dante's Inferno now. I just, I want to cover everything. The reason I chose the Satanic Bible as my start point was just because nobody gives it coverage and it's a valid air quotes valid religion like i have vet friends that are satanists slovaian satanists they agree with his teachings so i just i wanted to expose to world and you'll hear me say a couple times in various episodes like if you listen to this and decide you're a satanist more power to you i'm not going to tell you what to do i'm not judging you i'm just here to help teach you to make you think thoughts make you have ideas because i always quote kevin smith when it comes to that shout out i want to interview you kevin smith because of the movie dogma there's the 13th Apostle in this movie Dogma that Kevin Smith did. I don't know if you've seen it. I love this movie. But it's Rufus, played by Chris Rock. And he says, wars are fought over beliefs. It's better to have an idea. Because you can change an idea a lot easier than you can change a belief. What are the beliefs? Like your friends that consider themselves to be Satanists. What are their beliefs? I mean, the main two that I've talked to about it since I've started studying the Satanic Bible, main beliefs they hold true are that they can worship themselves, but they have to realize that they are both light and dark, good and evil. The fulfillment of the ego living their life in such a way that they please themselves without harming others. Because believe it or not, LeVay, not an evil guy. Sacrifice thing, I think, was more symbolic language if you actually go back and look at it. But it had literal mixed in with it, which is where I took issue. But the whole thing where you're just... LeVay even says, like, if somebody rapes somebody or does something against somebody's will, they deserve to be put to death. Amen. I agree with that. Like, I am all for some of his teachings. And he says, like, you should never do anything against somebody's will, not just sex, but, like, anything to harm anybody. He's just all about living your life while leaving as little of a footprint on other people's lives, but maximizing your own pleasure in this life. Like, when he died, his deathbed statement, they asked him, he was like, do you regret anything? He said, I regret nothing other than the fact that I will not be around to see my child grow up. He stuck with it to the end. He believed what he believed. Yeah, wow. at a minimum, I respect that. I actually want to tie that back to you because your dad died very young. What do you feel like you wish that he could have shared with you or seen or experienced with you? You know, honestly, I it's not that kind of regret for me. For me, it's just more my dad was one of the only people that could ever get through to me, that could get in to my head. Mm. he made me who I am like I showed you the picture our one conversation where like I'm literally this guy's fucking twin except I have the ink on the head he just you do look like him yeah he made me exactly who I am and I don't at all have issue with that like I use the term calling not in the religious sense but I've used it in the podcast I feel like it was my calling because of my upbringing to do this podcast to help people think about things that they wouldn't normally think about and I make my corny dad joke kind of DMX jokes when I say, I don't know shit about X. Hey, neither do I. X going to give it to you. Yeah, like that, that. I just, it's fucking whatever. But that's how my dad was. Like he would come up to him after sermon, mass, whatever the fuck. I'd be like, I don't get it. And he'd be like, okay, what was today's about? Because he generally didn't go with us. He would just drop us kind of thing and then pick us up after. So I'd tell him what it was about. He'd pull out his Bible, even though, like I said, he was more buddhist than anything he was still trying to help me understand what i was learning and he'd pull out his bible i'd pull out my bible we'd look we'd read we'd converse and we'd try to figure it out and if i couldn't then i'd be like well i guess that's something i don't really need to take into account so what i miss the most since my dad has died there's one like physical thing i miss very much and fuck anybody who takes issue with this i miss giving that man a hug like my dad from the day i 
as far back as I can remember, and I have some vague memories from like three years old, dating that far back. Far back as I can remember, he always told me my hugs were magical. He said that we brought nothing but joy into his life. Like in the emails that when I was in Iraq, he would say like, you know, nothing to apologize for because I was a dick about the whole thing when he was in overseas when I was a kid. But I was the little kid who didn't know any better. But he would tell me like, you have nothing to apologize for. I just did my best to raise you as my parents did with me, as you will with yours. Like that, like very paternal wisdom, like of the ages my dad was. I just wish I could hug him and hear his voice. Like that is my two biggest things at this point. It's been, let's see, fuck, 13, it'll be 13 years in June, so. Man, and those, I, I just, I, those I are so important. Him. I mean, I just, I, you even talking about that, like, I can feel my dad's hug. Yeah, like, I, I want to hug my dad and I want to hear his voice. That's it. Wow. How come he didn't go to church with you? He said he already had formulated his beliefs, so he didn't need to go. I didn't remember that. I already know what I believe, so I don't need to go. You go, you learn, you figure out what you believe in. I'll be here to pick you up in an hour. <laughs> Interesting. Did you ever find any hypocrisy in that? Like, were you ever like, if you don't go, like, why do I have to go? As a kid, I, I mean, there were times he did. Because, like, I've gone through all the Catholic, uh, what you call sacraments, up to confirmation. So, and he came for like all the important stuff, all the whatever. Like Wait, tell me, tell me what those are. Okay. The first one happens when you're born, actually, like you have no say, which I think is the stupidest thing in the world, but that's another discussion. Being baptized when you are born, because baptism is supposed to be a choice if you look at the Bible. Babies can't choose things. But being baptized as a baby is the first sacrament in the Catholic faith. Your baptism basically dedicates your soul to God, cleanses you of original sin, which is the Adam and Eve apple story, like the knowledge of the tree of good and evil and all that shit. I forget the exact phrasing, but everybody's familiar. I know that one. Then you go through... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then you go through communion, I want to say like early to mid-teens, sounds about right, maybe like 12, 13, you go through communion, which is where you're able to eat the dry-ass wafer when you go up to the front of the church and drink the sacramental wine, though we were not allowed to drink the wine because dad didn't want us drinking when we were teenagers. <laughs> though, to be fair, I, like most parents, I think he it's just a societal thing, because at home he didn't care if we like had a beer with him in the summer. He was very, take the mystery out of it. That way you're not tempted to go apeshit wild with it. But communion, like I said, you go through and you do the study. And I don't even remember all the steps, honestly, because I just didn't care. But you go, and it makes it so you can participate in that part of Mass where you're eating their little wafer, which is the body and blood of Christ, symbolically speaking. Maybe Kevin Smith could tell me more about that if he would come on the show. What were your thoughts about hell as a kid? Did you believe it as a kid? It was beaten into me, not literally, but like beaten into me that we were going to hell. Because like I had told you, I had this aunt that made us fucking pray forgiveness for interfering with adults playing bocce ball at a family gathering. <laughs> so, I mean, it was beaten into me as a child that I was real and I was going there. But I honestly don't remember what age it was. It was very young one, probably in between 8 and 12 if I had spitball range. When I just said, no, no, don't fucking believe in that no more. Can't scare me. Your fear tactics aren't working. Now you have studied the actual levels of hell. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Levels of hell is more just a Catholic thing. Like with my recent Dante's Inferno stuff. But they have all the different circles of hell there's... Hold on, there's actually a map. Let me pull my book really quick. There's okay. a map I just saw yesterday when I was looking. There it is. All right. So the first seven circles are in this picture, there's circle one, limbo, which is unbaptized babies and virtuous pagans, which is like your philosophers or people that the church agrees with, but who didn't find God or weren't introduced to God. So they're good, but they're separate from God's light. So they're not really being punished. They're just kind of there chilling. They can't get into heaven. So they're just on that outer level of hell. Then uh, circle Unbaptized two is babies go to hell? In the Catholic faith, because they are burdened with original sin. So like a crib death or something, heaven forbid. But a crib death or something, if the baby is unbaptized, according to the Catholic faith, that baby's going to hell. Whoa. Yeah, circle two is the carnal, the lusty folks like myself, the ones that just are obsessed with sex and all things sex. I've always been... My love language is physical touches up there. I would say that's most men's love language. You know, you know, especially certain touches. But then there's also probably like adulterers, I assume, would fall into that same category. I haven't covered all of the Dante-isms yet, so I'm just kind of going from memory on some of these. Circle three, another one of my favorites. I've gotten better with this one. 
once I got into weightlifting and such, but the gluttonous go to circle three, the ones that just always want to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat until they're ready to burst, and then they want to eat some more until they do burst. So circle three is like all the extreme self-indulgent fatties. Okay. I love your facial expressions. I just got to say that. <laughs> You're like, did he just fucking say that? Yep, I did. <laughs> circle four is hoarders and wasters. Now this, I actually have something for. My dad, again, when I was a kid, had the Incarnations of Immortality series by Piers Anthony. It's like a science fantasy thing. And the first one, On a Pale Horrors, is about the incarnation of death. So it's this guy in the robe, the hood, the skull face, like, you know, the human personification of death, Thanatos, running around taking the souls of the dying. Well, there's a little clip in that book, a little blurb, talks about there was this guy who took all the paper towels when I was in a public restroom one time, made me happy to know he was burning in hell for it. So <laughs> that's what I picture every time I think of orders and wasters, is the guy who takes one more paper towel than he needs and leaves you with one less than you could have used. <laughs> Can you imagine so those, saying that to someone in the bathroom? <laughs> I mean, I could, but I'm kind of an asshole, so. Take one more piece of paper. You're going straight <laughs> to hell. I dare you. Uh, yeah. That's good. I'll remember that. That That's yeah. visual. Yeah, that's they're going good. To the fourth, they're going to the fourth circle of hell. You can even tell them. Let's see. Circle five is the wrathful and sullen, which by all rights, that would be where I would end up because the wrath thing, the rage, like I said because of all my experiences. So, I mean, I could very well end up in the fifth circle of hell if it's a thing. Oh, no. I might end up there for that, too. Like, it's all classified in Dante. Number six is the heretics. You already know, like, the Inquisitions, all the shit with the Roman Catholic Church, heresy against the church, that kind of thing, the people who spoke out against the Catholic power. I mock it on the show. I was raised in the Roman Catholic faith, but the entirety of that religion can be debunked in one line from the Bible. There is but one intermediary between man and God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that takes away all of your popes, cardinals, bishops, and all the other assholes that the Catholic fucking faith wants you to pray to and worship. It's not a biblical thing. They add books to the Bible to suit their own needs. Like any subset of another religion in any other part of the world, I don't think they're that brazen. But yet they've amassed the most power probably because they're so willing to be fucking whatever. I literally have a problem with Catholics. I tried to keep my bias down for the show i can't really bite my tongue about catholic like the catholic doctrine like dante is very much rooted in catholicism i'm not mocking dante because like i said in my first episode for this we don't even know he might actually believe he experienced all this there's no written work no record that shows whether he knew he was writing about something just writing about it or whether he thought he lived it and then chose to write it in an autobiographical sense like he could have had mental problems we don't know I guess I will never mock somebody for their faith. I will mock the shit out of a faith if I feel like it deserves it. So if you believe in Catholicism, more power to you. Catholicism itself can go fuck itself. (laughs) All right. What's the next circle? There's a couple like guardians, the minotaur, centaurs, things like that. Stopping people from climbing up from the lower into the higher and vice versa. Going down if you don't belong, down lower. But then we get into the burning plain. The Wood of Suicides. So, Suicides and Fiery Torment, it looks like, is the next circle. I don't know the exact name for it because I haven't looked that far. Like I said, I'm not super familiar with Dante. I've only read it a couple times browsing as a child. Now I'm looking at it from a research perspective. But uh, suicide in the Catholic faith is unforgivable. Like, again, there's only the one unforgivable sin, biblically speaking, but the Catholics have the seven deadly sins, which all go to circles of hell, if you think about it. We just wrath, pride, gluttony. Suicide is unforgivable in the Catholic Church, which I think is bullshit, not that I endorse suicide, but to sit there and condemn somebody because they lost a battle with themselves, fuck you. I actually want to interview somebody from the Jewish perspective on that, too, because there's some misconceptions, I think around suicide like i was told as a kid if you commit suicide that you can't be buried in a jewish cemetery is there anything like that in catholicism you know i honestly don't know nobody in my direct like knowledge of people who have passed have been a suicide or tried to be whatever so i'm not entirely sure on that and i clearly don't aspire to any of that teaching anymore so i wouldn't know that level but i mean if they do i'd tell them to go fuck themselves again like that's just were you taught as a child that jews go to hell no i was taught in the catholic church that jews who took to christ's teachings like converted into the new testamentism which 
the New Testament does not exist in the Jewish faith. They said that Jesus was like a prophet or something. There was a whole, I forget the cutoff on that, but basically anybody who accepted Jesus confessed their sins because you know the catholics are all about going into the confessional booths telling the priest all your issues as long as they met the conditions i guess they could still get into heaven but anybody who did not accept jesus wasn't necessarily doomed to hell in the catholic faith they could very well have been purgatory which purgatory is strictly a catholic belief there is nothing i have found in any of the other religions that is a purgatory where you atone after death to get into heaven at a later date Yeah, what's your thoughts on purgatory? When I was a kid, I thought it was cool as shit because I was like, hey, I can be a dick and still, you know. But then, like I said, I read these books that my dad had, Piers Anthony, and that kind of helped shape some of my earlier beliefs. And there's one that specifically addresses the devil and how it's called For Love of Evil. It's the incarnation of Satan, the devil, Lucifer, whatever. And that book, it discusses hell as like a cleansing ground. But it also mentions that nobody has ever been cleansed enough to be passed on to heaven. The reasoning given for that is, you think I'm going to send somebody up that's not ready? You think I'm willing to make that mistake? So, I mean, initially, I want to say from some of my earlier studies... Hell was just a place absent the presence of God. So God is love, light, warmth, and all of these other things. And hell initially, in its early descriptions in these faiths, was described as a place simply absent the presence of God. So it wasn't this punishment, torture, and all that kind of stuff that everybody's come to come to associate it with. It's just you're cut off, you're alone forever, and that in and of itself is your punishment. But then some of the faiths said that Catholics went, again with the Catholicism, and made it into this punishment place with this devil figure. And some of the readings of the Satanic Bible support this, because like I said, LeVay directly mocks Catholicism, and he points it out when he's doing so. He says that the Catholics took some of the earlier gods, like the Greek god Dionysus, Pan, the satyrs, and turned them into this goat-headed figure of the devil. Because if you look at the bible like it talks about lucifer yes but it doesn't say like lucifer is reigning in hell it says lucifer was cast down it doesn't say into a fiery pit where was he cast and at the same time if god is this infallible all-powerful then by casting the devil to rule over hell the devil still works for god like how does that work Ooh, good question because either God is this all-powerful commanding of everything, in which case God technically rules hell in a one-off through the devil, or God is not all-powerful, but only powerful to the point up to, but not including hell, and Satan just gets to torture the shit out of people however he sees fit for, I mean, it could be a party place. For, like, there's nobody who knows who can tell us. Yeah, people because make a lot of jokes home. about that, too. Is my Costco membership going to still work there? You know, what's the temperature? Is it dry heat? They don't have Costco. It's hell. They only have Sam's Club. Yeah. That would be hell, right? But no, like, the jokes and stuff. I mean, we've all said it. I'll drive the bus, you know, all that kind of shit. Like, everybody. And that's the thing. Like, are we really being blasphemous in saying that? Again, nobody knows. People just like to say, well, it's written in this book, written by these guys during this time period based off of these scrolls. So, yes, it's true. I'm sorry. Have you fucking been there? (laughs) Like Dante, for the time that Dante wrote the Inferno, it actually talks about hell being the center of the earth, like our molten core that the, you know, how the earth is like the molten whatever in the center. Interesting, yeah. That's what Dante describes hell to. And that actually makes sense because like Greek mythology, I'll go to that just on a quick related one-off. The Greeks invented these myths to explain things they couldn't explain. Well, if you got a big fiery fucking molten hole in the middle of the earth and you want to explain it, make it a place of hellfire and brimstone where people are going to be punished when they and go there when they die. I think religion is just used to try to explain away things that we really have no way of understanding, largely. Is there anything that you'd like to ask my dad? I mean, it's not so much an ask. I, I've honestly been thinking about this because I know the format of your show. I've been listening to you quite a bit here in the past day and a half. I'm actually very not- honored because you said I was one of the first podcasts that you listened to other than your own. How cool is yeah. that? Thank you. I, I'm not the type to listen to other people talk. I don't know. It's just not my thing. But I, I actually dig your show a little bit. So, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> Thank your dad, I I honestly like the clips with your dad at the end, too. But not so much an ask for your dad on my part. I would just tell him and you both cherish each other because like i said behind that hug and that voice man all i got 
my dad always said life is for the living so live it see each other i don't know how often you see each other i know you talk because of the show see each other more make an effort be the involved more with each other because once he's gone you'll fucking wish he had been i love that message thank you this has been super informative and amazing and maybe we'll like do this again i feel like there's so many other directions we could have gone but I feel like we gave our audience like a pretty good overview of kind of what you study and a little bit about who you are. Oh my God. Friday the 13th right now. With my Ninja Turtles tank top, of course. That's the funniest thing is that you're wearing a Ninja Turtle wife beater and you just put on a crazy like satanic mask. I love it. Okay, what's the next one? It's actually my favorite one. It's the red one. It's my most recent acquisition because this one was a bitch to track down. Why is that one your favorite before you put it on? I'm just obsessed with the, like, look at that, the colors. Red's always been a favorite of mine, but it's just very, the detail comes through on the camera, but it's actually all of those masks, the silver one, this one, and the blue one have butterflies and laid into the workmanship. Wow, I didn't even notice that. That's really cool. With the beard poking out, of course. Okay, love it, love it. This mask is kind of a pain because it ties in the back. Amazing. When did you get your first mask? First one of this style was probably my blue one, which would have been 2016, 2017. I mean, I've got a buttload of other ones. I have my Michelangelo Ninja, Ninja Turtles masks. That's another obsession of mine other than the Joker. I don't know if you can see my wall art behind me. Joker and Harley Quinn. Oh, cool. Yeah, you would have to angle the camera up a little bit, but... Oh, okay. Cool. I'm obsessed with the Joker and all things Joker. I actually have two masks of the Joker here on my... Let's see if I can... Oh my God, those are crazy. Yeah. So I have like all my Joker stuff, my Ninja Turtle stuff. Those are the only things I really collect. Everybody's got their little obsessions and hobbies. I figured I'd throw on the Ninja Turtles tank top though, because I figured that would just piss off some people that are like the super religionists. That's funny. Are people afraid of you? Honestly, I have been told that I am super intimidating until you get to know me. Yeah. I mean, the mask can be depicted, I feel like, is scary. I just use it like honestly I decided to do this on mass because fuck it why not but I was talking to my kid this morning because she wants me to send her the interview and stuff afterwards so she can watch it like whenever I was like whenever I get the link I will send it to you don't worry I was telling her if you're going to talk about something that is as ingrained into culture as Catholicism and you're going to openly mock it you might want to look out for yourself. Next thing I know, the Vatican could have a hit out on me. Yeah, so I have heard that the Vatican is kind of, like, run by the mafia. Like, is that true? The Vatican is the mafia. (laughs) It's not run by the mafia. This is a serious topic, but I'm going to say it in that joking manner just because I say everything that way. Look at all the fucking kid-diddling priests that got off. You think they could do that without some mafioso-style power? I don't think you're going to get in trouble on my podcast for saying that, but... (laughs) Well, no, but I'm saying, like, yeah. I was kind of wondering your thoughts around that. (laughs) If we do another episode, I will be more than happy to give them. I loathe like 90% of all things Catholic. Wow. The 10% that I don't loathe, I'll tell you directly right now, probably the nuns. I don't hate them because they're female monks to me. Yeah, they're in a shitty like religious organization, but they're dedicating themselves, their time, their life to this cause to this belief that they hold like i said i don't hate many people or judge people for what they decide individuals groups of people fuck them, but individuals i love but the religion themselves i will fucking mock all day long if i want to because who's gonna stop me yeah i One actually episode- interviewed someone on my show who lived in a monastery for two years and thought she wanted to become a nun but there were a few people that passed away while she was there and they really want you to separate yourself from your other life and that for her became really challenging well i know i told you uh, dad always thought i'd be a monk or something like some sort of religious whatever i don't know that he would hate my podcast because i'm doing what i was brought up to do it's my calling but i don't know that he would love the approach i take regarding certain subjects well you did admit that too you your love language is physical touch and sex like if you were to be a monk wouldn't you not be able to do that again the whole monk discussion took place before i ever had my proverbial cherry popped <laughs> okay. No, like I feel like this is as close as I'm gonna get to being like that religious teacher, and in a way, this show kind of honors my dad. Honestly, like I said, and it's funny because I never would have done it if it hadn't been for Allie. Like her grandma's the super religious type, and Allie was going through some shit. I'm not gonna go into specifics; not my story to tell. She was going through some shit. Grandma was helping her with the religious like understanding of it, and she knows that like because we've been friends for God since 
eighth grade. Like we've known each other that long. She was an eighth. I was like a senior. But we've known each other that long. And she knows about like some of my proclivities towards things. So she's like, well, my grandma's trying to tell me this, this, and this. So I'm like spitting verses at her. I'm breaking it down what they mean. She's like, well, do you believe that? I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's what your grandma wants you to hear. I'm just helping you understand it. She's like, you should have a fucking podcast. You're so easy to understand. You make me laugh. You break the stuff down. You make it simple. I told her, I was like, I will never have my own podcast. I'll guest on one one day. I was like, you started. I'll be your first guest. And then like a month later, I was like, hey, guess what? <laughs> Because once somebody puts an idea in my head, yeah. We'll let people know how they can find that podcast, learn a little bit about hell and the Satanic Bible and Dante. You can mainly find me on Anchor. It's anchor.fm slash Alex Parkview. I also upload all of my stuff to YouTube using the static image style since mine's an audio cast. I don't do the video thing. And that's youtube.com slash at Alex Parkview. I'm on Good Pods. I know that's where I found you. I'm on Twitter. All my socials, if you search Alex Parkview on a social, chances are you're going to find me. Perfect. Alex, this has been amazing. And I'm going to do an Instagram live in just a little bit. If you want to add me at Rena Friedman Watts on Instagram, we could do a little follow-up discussion because I am going to talk to a friend of mine who's a big believer. And I wanted to kind of get her take on hell. And hey, you could even chime in if you want. I'll totally be there. I don't know if she'll like me too much, but I'll be there. All right, cool. Well, I can't wait to hear what my dad has to say. And thank you for taking your mask off and being so vulnerable. I will definitely be sending links out to a lot of people on this one. Aw. All right. I will see you soon. Thank you so much. Not a problem. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. I got you on video and I got you with the mic. All right. This is Alex and he's talking about religion and he's really shows that he's really quite religious, but also wants to be able to be a believer in whatever scripture he's reading. And he just doesn't want to take people's words for it. And the scare tactic of telling people that you'll go to hell or different levels of hell, he's fascinated reading about everything but he isn't a believer of any of it and doesn't use this as a scare tactic to make him believe something he might not believe. That's the way I sum it up. I think another question he likes to ask is, do you take your own advice? I think that's a very good question because a lot of times you think something out and then people around you can make you change your mind and you sway from what you really believe. I think that's where peer pressure plays into it or a money situation where you actually will sacrifice what you believe in not to have something cost you a lot of money or fighting with loved ones, you know, where they they are so strong in their beliefs that you don't really want to fight. So you go along with it. And this is the same thing about the way he explains Christianity is that if you're not part of the team, you, you can go to hell then. And they, mean it, and they mean it literally. <laughs> but that's not really what God giving you a choice is about, is he wants you to learn about good and bad and where you take with your life, experiencing both sides of the coin, so to speak, and wanting to choose as you get older to keep making better choices and want to choose right over wrong, good over evil, helping other people and not just helping yourself, that you actually will get a much bigger high being involved with your community as well, where you can show that you can get along with more and more people with differentiating opinions, where they don't have to agree with you, and yet you learn how to get along with them without sacrificing your beliefs. And he is willing to study others and learn about other religions in order to understand himself. Said perfectly. And the truth of the matter is, is that he's not taking anything for granted. That's part of gaining wisdom is where you question everything and come up with logical conclusions and not where you just take somebody's word for it, where you actually want to see that it's real. He's happy to discuss it with his podcast and be able to go over a lot of these things, where even though he likes to do things individually, running the podcast is not only for his own mental relief, as it is maybe for our show, a little mental relief, but you're gaining wisdom to share with others. And that's what he's doing as well. He's gaining wisdom and knowledge of communicating his ideas and other people's ideas and being able to formulate 
a way to progress with your life and your beliefs in a constructive manner. What are your thoughts on hell? I think that the funny part is, is that the way I believe is that your choices have ramifications, meaning that if you make bad choices, things happen to you. And it's not where all of a sudden God is picking on you, even though God is a very good friend of mine, or I'm a good friend of his, or a good soldier of his, where when people have done me wrong, it is really quite ironic how those people that have done me wrong have come back to either apologize to me or bad things have happened to them, but it might not have anything to do with me at all. It could be that they've done terrible things or bad things to me or other people, and there's consequences that happen to you when you continue to roll the dice and doing bad things, and God gives you accolades and helps you when you're doing right. He rewards you. And if you do things wrong and you make the wrong choices, you're not going to have good results. You're going to have bad results. And I believe that God is the one who's determining whether you're going to win or lose. And it's not where it's a team of God versus the devil or heaven versus hell. I think it's not played that way, even though some people believe that, that there are evil forces to counterbalance good forces. I think it's not like that. I think it's really more like you make bad choices, you get bad results. You make good choices, you get better results. I think it's just that simple. What I found to be very meaningful from his heart is that he was getting back closer to his dad, that legacy of wanting to have a continuum and be able to have a family life with his father, and it got cut short, was a very, very dramatic thing in his life. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is that it's not just him. People that lose their fathers, it's a very tough hand of cards to overcome. That's why encouragement and to be enthusiastic and to have mentors and to have grandparents and to have fathers and mothers where children have a better chance to make out in this world if they have that type of love and that type of understanding and that kind of encouragement from all of these different corners. Because life is hard enough even with that, but without it, it can be very hard to overcome and stay on the right path. How do you do it? Well, fortunately, there's a lot of people that love me and a lot of people that count on me to perform. And it drives me to continue to look forward because I have so many people around me that I'm part of their lives. I think that that's the key is that if you really want to have good satisfaction, get involved with a lot of people, get a lot involved with a lot of things and keep yourself very active. And by doing that, you're involved. And the more that you're involved, the more fulfilling your life will be. All right. I like that. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com.